The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, well, today we're going to be talking about um, something that is near and dear to everybody's heart, which is love. And um, the, my guest is Dr. Nikki Monty. And her new book is called Our Love Matters. And of course it does. And um, actually the full title of her book is Our Love Matters, Find It, Fix It, or Let It Go. And yes, isn't that the universal conundrum? <laughs> Hard enough to find it, no, let's fix it. And then when to let it go? Um, very hard, very hard to figure out all of these things. And it's getting harder in our... Um, well, as the years go by, because um, the dating swamp, as I as I often say, has been uh, has been swamped with more bad boys and bad girls and people who are dysfunctional trying to find love, but having a really hard time breaking each other's hearts, not necessarily meaning to, but because of things that they have gone through themselves growing up. Um, and then experiencing with other with relationships that don't work out, it kind of um, puts everyone more and more into dysfunction. So this is a this is something we need to learn how to how to fix um, as soon as possible. And and hopefully the more people who get in touch with what's really going on, the more the dating swamp <laughs> will get less murky. So my guest, Dr. Nikki Monty, is uh, an expert in these matters. And Nikki, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Carol. Should I sit or lay down on your couch? This is well. I I, <laughs> well, I actually put my guests. Um, I often have them lay down because um, <laughs> I, I ask them about you know if they if they're an author. I ask them about what it was in their life. Um, that made them interested in this particular topic. So we might as well go there with you. All right, then. Um, and uh, you can feel free to call me Dr. Nikki. That's what everybody calls me, and I'm, that's my, my name of preference. So. Okay. So um, what, uh, what led me to this? Well, what, first of all, this book is really a, uh, a compilation of what I've learned uh, all my life, of course, of course, my urgency, my personal urgency, my personal journey has been about learning to love, learning to accept, learning to love others, learning to open to love, stop being so defended against love. I have to do it myself. That's an issue I'm still working with. And... Um, <clears throat> so I'm very worried about this book because it really 
accumulation. As a friend of mine said, a colleague of mine said, boy, that's just everything you know, isn't it? And I hmm. said, book, but it seems to be everything I know. And uh, it's, uh, I, I worked with a wonderful man named Dr. Brewjoy uh, for about 20 years. Well, he's been dead for a few years now, so about 70 years. And uh, he, my work with him really changed the trajectory of both my therapeutic work, but more importantly, or as importantly, my personal journey. So, of course, I come from the kind of background that most of us who end up on this side of the couch come from, which is, uh, you know, most of us weren't brought up this Beaver Cleaver family. We were, <laughs> mm-hmm. we come through our own dark forest, as we would say, and uh, to get to the place of how does love work? And, of course, the book... Uh, our love matters, find it, fix it, or let it go. And you said that beautifully, because that is the conundrum, right? It's swamp. I have to steal that from you, uh, Dr. Carol Lieberman. <laughs> you can have it. Because <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> it is kind of a swamp, isn't it? And, and, of course, things are getting more difficult, I think, with social media and texting. All these, it's just... It's just uh, it's just so challenging when I work with people in their 20s and 30s. It's just so difficult now. Um, and and uh, dating was never a piece of cake and relationship was never easy. But, of course, when we're talking about learning to love other people, we, we begin with learning to love ourselves, as always. It always starts right there in the heart of the matter, which is in the heart of our matter. And mm-hmm. so no matter where we go, there we are. So the book really teaches how to both love yourself and learning to love yourself, how to share that love with others, be it friends, be it colleagues, be it um, life itself, how to love your body, how to love your life, how to love your community, how to love your bank account, for God's sake, you know, mm-hmm. how to make it all work. Because from my perspective, eh, there's only one thing to do. There's only one thing to talk about, and that is love. There really is nothing mm-hmm. else. There's love and power. Everything that's not love is power. So, <laughs> and they if, have an interesting... It, tangled relationship, love and power. Don't they? Don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? That is for sure. And, um, you know, I just want to quickly mention, and I will. I want to mention a couple of times because it's right on this Saturday. I'm doing my first live event off of the book in particular. I've do, done many, many workshops and events uh, in the course of my career. I do a lot of workshops, but this is the first one that comes off the book, and there will also be a book signing as well. At at uh, this Saturday, and if folks want to know about it, and I hope they do, it's going well, yeah, to be a very give them, fun day. We, 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 we will give them um, all that information at the end of the show. Okay. We don't want to send okay. them to another Great. website or whatever. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Otherwise, they'll stop listening to us. So we'll talk. Okay. We'll, we'll give everybody the information at the end when they so that they can write it down. Um, Perfect. So, but I don't want to. I don't want to get past what what you were saying um, just a minute ago, which is about loving yourself, because, you know, mm-hmm. we hear about that. I mean, everybody, like even, I mean, nowadays from the time people are kids even, they hear about you got to love yourself, you got to love yourself. But it's easier said than done. So what are some oh, of yeah. the things that you um, suggest as, you know, especially for women loving your body? You know, there have been surveys, and most women don't love their body. Um, no. 
Well, so what are some of the things, things that you suggest? One of the things about loving yourself uh, is just to start with, I just want to say that the centerpiece of all my work is to uh, what I would call look the dragon in the eye, is to tell the truth to yourself about your responsibility for how you are co- the co-creator of your life. And um, I'm, I'm what's called a depth therapist, which means I like to go back to the origins and, and really muck around in the deep end of the ocean. However, uh, once we know what our early patterns are, how they got initiated, how they started, we then ha- need to start taking responsibility for how we're perpetuating those patterns with our behavior, our attitudes, and, you know, for me, all change is a matter of changing perception, attitude towards things. And so we want to find out what are we doing, maintain the idea that we're unlovable or uh, we deserve to be abandoned or, we deserve, or we're a throwaway. How are we pushing people away? How are we rejecting love? And how do you have exactly life we've been intending to have? This is not a popular perception or uh, perspective, but it is, I think, the most empowering perspective we could have. I'm in charge of how my life looks to me. Uh, You know, uh, the old question of how do we know it has meaning? What has meaning is what I decide has some meaning. It's not, not, there's not a one-size-fits-all. There's not a one-size-fits-all. So what do we do to start loving ourselves? Well, we want to start looking at the ways we're not loving ourselves and what we're getting out of that. That's what Mm -hmm. we begin with. What are we getting out of not loving ourselves? Do I get to hang on to the idea that my mother was lousy and be damned if I'm going to be successful just to show her that she did a good job because she didn't? Or, you know, what's our deal? Are we afraid we step truly into self-love, we'll become arrogant the way Dad was? Or do we Mm -hmm. think that nobody will like us at all? Or it'll be too much responsibility? Or then we'll really be alone? It's like the women who won't buy a house because I buy a house, then who's going to want to buy a house for me? Mm. Well, you know what? (laughs) Buy the house, share the house, sell the house, get another house somewhere. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, there's lots of ways to do that. But we have all these notions, these short-changing ourself notions. In terms of loving our body as women, of course challenging. And those of us who live in Los Angeles, hello, this is the ultimate challenge. And we're, we're going with these images that we see in magazines and on uh, in film and all this. This is what we're supposed to look like. And right. It, it all starts with Barbie. To, it also, I did, but now have you heard about regular Barbie? You know, they've got to come out with regular Barbie. Yes, I know. Apparently, yeah, but yeah. apparently regular Barbie, I haven't seen her, but she's she also is quite slender, does not look like real person either. <laughs> <laughs> yes, At least doesn't yes. look like she's going to topple over, you know. So, but <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I think I, I particularly um, I uh, say for years I've been saying that uh, Barbie has is the number one uh, self esteem killer for girls. You know, mothers buy it. It's <laughs> often the mothers who don't feel good about themselves. You know, and they want their well, yes. da- <laughs> they want their daughters, or they hope that they da- their daughters grow up to look like Barbie. But um, 
you know, and, and they give them as presents and so on at birthday parties and in grade school and and uh, all of that. And it really it really um, sets this image of if you don't look like Barbie, then then no one's going to love you. Right, uh, and to me though, that's the apostrophe at the end of the sentence. The 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 barber, the the energetic that the parent, like you said, mother doesn't love herself or her own body or the dad's the uh, n- looking around or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The uh, that information gets translated so easily to the children. It gets yes. translated, you know, just even if it's, I'd say, energetically. But I think that the broader the broader conversation is about there's always something, feel, it feels like there's always something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. And maybe I'll put it into my body or I'll put it into my voices or I'll put it into my height or my color or my whatever it is, I can always feel like something's wrong with me. And there is a, there's a fundamental conversation around this that I won't go into too much detail, but I know we well, don't have time for that. But well, well, well yes, yeah, so we, we need to take a break. I don't know if you were able to hear the music, too. I did. But um, it is time, <laughs> time to take a break. My guest is Dr. Oh, Nikki. Is. Her, her yeah. book is Our Love Matters. Find it, fix it, or let it go, and we'll continue with this discussion when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with Dr. Nikki. She is the author of a new book called Our Love Matters, Find It, Fix It, or Let It Go. She's going to be giving a... um, a conference, a seminar this weekend, um, and we will give you information about how you can attend uh, in the last segment of the show. So before the break, um, Dr. Nikki, you were talking about, uh, well, we were talking about relationships and we were talking about how, and I totally, I want you to know that, um, I don't know if you're familiar with any of my books or work or whatever, but um, I've written Bad Boys and then my latest is Bad Girls, and I do the same thing in terms of 
going back to childhood. It all starts from childhood. It starts with the relationship that the little girl has with her daddy and the relationship that the little boy has with his mommy, and that determines, um, you know, the, the, what I call the love map uh, for the rest of their life and uh, who they're going to be attracted to and who they're going to be hurt by. Well, I um, I would uh, I would add I would just expand on that a little bit in a slightly different way, but certainly similarly, which is I would say we have three relationships uh, that we deal with all our life: the uh, relationship with the mother, the relationship with the father, and the relationship with the child that used to be. Yeah. And those three relationships is it's not just daughter to father; it's also daughter to mother, of course. And I well, know you would. You would agree with that. Um, yes, of course. That has an impact as well, of course. But, um, but primarily, uh, you know, it's the parent of the opposite sex. But yes, uh, both of our parents affect us tremendously. So go ahead. And uh, anyway, I, I was going to say also in a little uh, bit of a almost tangential but not quite, I think it's it's... In some ways, okay. So we're born, uh, we're born in a stomach connected by a hose, right? So this is <laughs> we're in the we're in the Garden of Eden, so to speak. We don't have to do anything. We're being fed, we're being, and then we're kicked out, as in the story, and uh, we're cut off. And I think, to some degree, this feels unnatural to be out here in the world, not connected in that way. And I think we really spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to reconnect, how to reconnect in a way that feels as organic and natural as our origins. And in that, we think there's something wrong with us because we're no longer in that easy, mm. safe place. Mm. Even mm-hmm. if it was fraught in there, even if the parents mm-hmm. were fighting and all that, there still was a lot of sloshing around and easy <laughs> food and yeah. it was, and it was warm. warm. Yes, <laughs> we didn't have to ask for anything. We just did everything we wanted to do without question, uh-huh. and uh, in that way. And of course, uh, you know, uh, there is the and then we were the, dumped, the, and then we were and dumped, we, and then we're <laughs> dumped, <laughs> right? And then we're dumped, <laughs> and we're cut off, and it, it, yeah, it's it's very odd. And I think that we then start looking for, to some degree, more or less, depending upon. Our nature, and depending upon our um, our uh, uh, organic structure, you know, I would say our DNA and all of that kind of thing, um, we begin to try to pin our discomfort on something. What, what, what's wrong? Why am I? This is very hard. It's really hard out here. And uh, we start looking around for what's wrong. Oh, it must be, uh, my, you know, my mom isn't coming exactly when I need her to be here. Uh, I've been crying for however long. Mm-hmm. It feels like forever and no one's showing up. There must be something wrong with me because, of course, as little people, uh, we think we're the center of the universe and everything's mm-hmm. You know, some people, of course, never get over that. But we have a society that doesn't seem to get over that either. But that being said, uh, so we start we start looking. Well, something must be wrong. Well, it must be I'm not pretty enough, or I'm not funny enough, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm not tall enough, or I'm not uh, whatever it is. Um, and the not enoughness is the the root of this uh, lack of self love. And so, part of the learning of self love is to realize that all that we are with our flaws, with our fissures, cracks, uh, problems, and drop stitches, and all that stuff, that we're, we're acceptable 
and lovable in our essence. That doesn't mean everything we do is okay. And I think that's a misunderstanding. You know, when people talk about unconditional love, I can uncondition. I always say I have a tremendous compassion for uh, Dahmer. For some reason, Dahmer really just moves me. But I wouldn't, not inviting, well, of course he's dead now, but even alive, I would not be inviting Jeffrey to my house for dinner. Uh, So I can have unconditional love for him and for his pain, but that doesn't mean that what he, how his behavior is acceptable. And this is where people get confused also. And so we want to be loved for everything we are, but not everything we do. And I think we have to learn how to uh, treat ourselves with the same kindness and generosity combined with boundaries that we would like other people to treat us with. And so it all starts with us and moves out. Yes, okay. So it's um, it's that very chasm between um, feeling that that we've been dumped out or that we're, there's something wrong that we're, someone doesn't still want to connect to us um, mm-hmm. and going from there to deciding that we're lovable. Right. So how do we do that, right? Yes, how do we exactly. Do that? Well, again, we begin to notice what are we saying, what are we thinking, what are we doing, what are we feeling that's contributing to our not feeling lovable, to our not believing that we're lovable. How could we possibly not be lovable? I mean, when you really think about it, how could we not be lovable? And you look in a crib at a baby. You, oh, no, that's not a lovable baby. There's something lovable about that kid. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. But we start telling ourselves, there's something wrong with me, there's something wrong with me. So some of it, you know, the rule is what we feed grows. So we have two plants and we feed one of them, the one we feed will grow. Right. And the one we don't feed will not. So if we, if we buy our own press, if we say to ourselves over and over again, there's something wrong with me, I'm, I'm ugly, I'm ugly, I'm too fat, mm-hmm. I'm too fat, I'm too, you know, stupid, I'm too stupid, we're going to believe that. Uh, I, I, yeah, everybody's always going to leave me, everybody's always going to leave me. So what I would say is, if you do what you've done, you'll get what you've got. So if you want something different, you're going to have to do something different. And some, and you're going to have to do something different sometimes in the face of not before a belief is changed that supports the new doing. Yes. You know. Fake it till you make it. You got it. Sometimes you got to fake it till you make it, but eventually you've got to, you've got to find the place in you that believes deserve ability and love ability. Part of the problem is that so many of us tend to, even if we can, you know, talk ourselves into that, we get to the bottom, let's say, with therapy or with reading books, you know, self-help relationship books, we, we understand it, but so many of us still um, look towards other people for this validation and when that doesn't seem to, to well, when we're, especially if we're attracted to people who, you know, because of our past, we become attracted to people who are going to give us the same lack of validation, then it's really, you know, hard to compete with our own maybe affirmations or therapy or whatever, um, telling us, you know, help building us up. And then if we're going to be attracted to the people who, uh, because they're familiar, because they're familiar to our mother or our father or someone in the past who, you know, put us down, boyfriends, girlfriends, um, 
then it, it's always a struggle to keep the positive things going, <laughs> building us up when, if we also don't uh, recognize that some of the people we're attracted to are going to be the ones who are going to be tearing us down. Again, I think that the trick is to find out what do we get out of, what's the payoff of being with people who put us down? What is that answering in ourselves? And uh, I I really think this is an important piece. And in the book, I map how to get to that piece, how to figure out what is your payoff for this. And I will often ask, I'll, I'll, I'll pick an easy one, right? Someone comes in, they weigh 300 pounds, and they say, I want to be thin. And I say, no, you don't. <laughs> How do I know that? It's not magic. <laughs> I didn't have to go to therapy school for that, right? I didn't have to get a PhD. I can look at them and see they don't want to. There's a million programs that show you how to not be 300 pounds. <laughs> if you're 300 pounds, it's because something in you is aiming for that. Something in you thinks it's the better choice. Now, let's find that part that says it's the better choice and then address that part and see. And you know what? I'm just on the side of clarity. If someone comes in, I remember a woman years ago and she said to me, uh, and I have a lot of client stories and my own personal stories also because I had enough lousy relationships to be an expert on this myself, but um, that she said to me, I really want a relationship. And I said, okay, how long has it been since you've had one? She said, 10 years. I said, 10 years? She said, yeah, I haven't dated in 10 years. I said, you haven't dated at all? She said, no. I said, you don't want a relationship. Mm-hmm. She said, what do you mean? I said, the evidence is clear. Now, let's talk about why you don't want a relationship. Yeah. And at the end of that, you get to really choose. You get to say, you know what? I'm choosing to sit in this not wanting of a relationship. And that doesn't mean that I'm unlovable. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. It means this is my particular path. I've chosen this path. And so I now get to experience love and love ability through my work or through my friends or through my contributions to life or well, through the garden I create in my house. Yes, unfortunately, what's so sad about that um, is that, you know, for most women who get to that point, and and unfortunately, you know, there's a growing number of women and men, actually, but um, who, who, because they've had these bad experiences in relationships where they've gotten hurt, their heart has been broken, gradually they close themselves off more and more and they either they get fat, you know, because that's a um, protection to keep people away, to keep potential relationships away, love away, because so that they won't get hurt and they can blame it on, oh, well, I'm fat, so of course no one wants to go out with me and so on. Or, you know, or work or some other excuse um, because really it's a, it's a defense um, against getting hurt again. Right. Right. And that's, and that's true. And the thing is that uh, heartbreak, of course, as you know, is an inevitable part of life. We can't not have our heart broken. Even if, uh, so there's heartbreak like the kind you're talking about, primary relationship heartbreak or uh, lover heartbreak, whatever that is, there's heartbreak of life itself. There's heartbreak mm-hmm. in every stage. Every stage has heartbreak with it. When mom stops feeding us 
and we get to feed ourselves, there's a heartbreak in that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the the the, it, the the benefits outweigh the burdens because now we get to throw the spoon of the room. That's kind of fun. <laughs> but there's still a sense of wait a minute, I'm not her total preoccupation now, and there's yes. a heartbreak in that. But the big heartbreak to me, and what I always say is, the broken heart is the heart that lets the light in, mm. and the heart that's not broken atrophies. We mm-hmm. have to use mm-hmm. it or lose it, as with every mm-hmm. other organ. That's, so, that's I, and 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 t- talking about breaks, we need to take another one right here. But yes, <laughs> nice. That's nice uh, segue. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point. We'll come back to that. My guest is Dr. Nikki. Her book is Our Love Matters: Find It, Fix It, or Let It Go, and that's what we're talking about today on Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today, uh, talking today with my guest, Dr. Nikki, Dr. Nikki Monty. She is the author of a new book called Our Love Matters, Find It, Fix It, or Let It Go. She's also going to be doing a seminar on March 29th. We're going to give you information about how you can uh, attend that. This is going to be in Los Angeles, and uh, hopefully you um, live close enough to attend. So before the break, you were talking, Dr. Nikki, about how um, broken hearts, I like that, let life let light in, life and light, actually, mm-hmm. um, and that that an unbroken heart atrophies because it hasn't really been used. Right, right. I think it's, uh, it, this is, it's really important. I, I, I'll sit with people all the time who say, well, you know, I don't want to because I might get hurt. And I, you know what? It doesn't work. It, you, you can't just sit in a corner for your whole life. Your legs will stop working. Your arms will stop. You've got to get out. You've got to get into the world, and you've got to take risk. It's one of the hardest things to teach people, I think, is, is how to have courage. I, it's, it's really delicate to encourage people to be enthusiastic uh, about their lives. You know, I have a friend who uh, has just written a book, um, a colleague, 
um, friend who's just written a book uh, on death and dying, and she's very uh, uh, she's been a teacher of mine and a colleague, and she's very um, uh, spiritually developed and uh, just a, a lovely, lovely person. In her book, she said she wrote a review of mine. I wrote a review of hers, and she, she said, "Yes, my book is very yes, you know. We'll meditate. We'll go towards death. It's all a lovely thing." And and you, and she's as she was describing, she said, "In your book, is like you can do it. Get out there." Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, I'm sort of a cheerleader for life, right? That you can have the life you're meant to have, but you have to take the risk, and you have to accept that, of course, we all have limitations. This is another thing that really bugs me when parents say, "You could be anything you want to be." No. You can't. <laughs> you, of course you can't. Believe me, if you saw me in my little Jewish Russian body, you would know. I was never going to be an, uh, a ballerina. I was never going to be an astronaut. And I was never going to be a runway model. This was not going to happen because I, I, do, I don't have the physicality for that. And, I'm not, and I don't have the uh, spatial relation capacity to be a rocket scientist. It's just not going in that direction. But you can be what you want to be within your wheelhouse. You can be extraordinary. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, one of the things I'm very excited to be teaching about is how do you find the unique you? I, I come from a place where, uh, you know, early on I thought, um, well, the, the glass is really half empty, but some people are pretending it's half full. Mm. Mm. But then I one day went, no, 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 wait a minute. It's both. It is both half empty and half full, and it depends on your perception. Mm-hmm. I've had, uh, I have a, 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 a delicious, uh, in, invested, um, expansive, grueling, difficult, confronting, uh, long-time marriage now. Uh, 27 years. I was married twice mm. before, so it's not mm. like I. Just, <laughs> I uh-huh. really, I really walk the talk. I'm telling you, the stuff I write about and the stuff I teach about, I didn't learn in books. Of course, I expanded myself through books and through amazing teachers that I've been graced to work with. But my main teacher has been life itself, and coming from a very difficult family that I am absolutely grateful for in all its awfulness because it's not I, I've gone back and I've looked at my life and I thought well let me pull the brick this brick out of the building you know so let, me just think, I, let me skip that husband that would be a good one to skip <laughs> and there's nothing I can't do it because that one led to this led to this led to mm-hmm. that led to this oh led to me sitting here with you today were they bad boys oh your yeah. first two uh, well, no, my first one wasn't. He was very zen. He was a very gentle, very laid-back, um, kind of vegetarian for moral reasons kind of guy. And he was really, the, you know, he was really a sweetheart. And I was horrifying. I mean, I, I am not, I'm not easy breezy. 
uh, and uh, very intense and, and, and intentional. And so um, he was a great, what we call the shadow, what in Jungian terms is called the shadow. He was a great um, disowned part, the opposite for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was very, uh, 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 I've been uh, in recovery a long time. I have uh, over 30 years of sobriety. So he was, uh, he and I did a lot of, did a lot of uh, dreadful dancing together. <laughs> Let's just say uh-huh. that. My second husband was very brief. It was the meeting, the courtship, the marriage, the the ending was under a year. The whole thing was a, wow. a little Edward Albee play, very quick uh-huh. and uh, intense, burned out like a rocket and uh, uh, falling from the sky kind of rocket. And it was very violent. And, you know, this thing, this idea that I put forward that we want to look at ourselves in all situations, I'll tell you what freed me, Carol, from that relationship. What freed me was to realize how he reflected to me my self-contempt, that hmm. it, I don't care what he did or what he was, or if he's still alive, oh, so I'm sure someone's killed him by now, but, uh, <laughs> it, uh, but that's not my business. My business is me. And mm-hmm. I called for that. I, mm-hmm. I'm not saying, you know, like, it's my fault. I called for it because of my self-hatred, and he was my mirror for that. And I tell you, this nonsense about, oh, this poor thing, she was beaten for 20 years and she couldn't get out, wrong. She could mm-hmm. get out. She didn't choose to. Mm-hmm. And I know this from experience. Mm-hmm. And so let's say you don't know who someone is, but that's which I would argue. I think the psyche, the unconscious, knows everything, and it's very yes. purposeful. Yes. It's what I call the magnet to the refrigerator. If I put a magnet on a wall, it'll fall off. But if I put it on a refrigerator, it'll stick because mm-hmm. it's the right material finding the right material. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, we, we call for these things in our life because we want to heal. We want to heal our original right. wounds, and we're trying to do it secondarily, which, of course, never works. But Well, as, so, and as Freud said, uh, repetition compulsion. We get, we get yeah. we call the, the situations to ourselves that we're yeah. trying to fix, and, yeah. uh, but unless we get some kind of insight, we just keep repeating the same bad exactly. patterns over and over. Right. Right, right, right. So we're just doing the same thing. So, um, so the uh, so he was, um, you know, he was he was very vile and very, and we, you know, did a lot of drinking and a lot of carousing, and it was very, very intense. And um, to and in fact, when I told him I was leaving him, he said, "I'll kill you if you go," and I said, "I'd rather be dead." Oh, well. And I left. But I'll tell you, people who say, uh, well, okay, I didn't know who he was. Did you know after the first hit? Hmm. Yeah. Did you know after the 50th hit? When did you know? What do you mean you didn't know? Yeah. So, and I'm not, I'm not saying that rudely. I'm saying that we have power. We have power to make choices. And we make cho- you know, we don't feel like that. I mean, we don't feel like we have the power, but we really do. Right. So, again, it's not a popular perspective. We're a very victim-oriented society. Yes. yes. And I, I am not about it at all. I want to empower people. I want people to know that they're making choices based, that they're making choices, period. They are making choices every minute. And if they make, and no choice is a choice. Right. No. No action is an is a choice. Yes. Right. Right. So, what was it that empowered you 
between that second marriage and the third marriage, which is obviously a really good one. It is a good one. Not that it's been easy, but it's good. Um, it's because, you know, relationship is challenging. Mm-hmm. If you're really in it to win it, it's challenging. Uh, because, you know, unless you're sort of sitting there in a corner hoping it all does something or other. I'm always worried about people who come in and... and <laughs> I once had a boyfriend briefly, very briefly, who said to me, I fought more with you in the first three months of knowing you than I did with my wife. In fact, for ten years we never fought until the day she left me. <laughs> and I knocked on the <laughs> table. A few times, boom, boom. Um, hello, hello, yeah. everybody home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait, wait, hello, you're really still asleep about this. But anyway, yes, yes. Um, what happened was, besides sobriety, um, what happened was um, finding my, I would say, finding my true voice, uh, beginning to, I worked so hard to come to the place of loving myself. And, um, I was actually, I was an actress for a long time and I, uh, it was really hard for me. I, it was really hard for me. I'm extremely sensitive and, uh, my acting was great, but the business part of it was really grueling mm-hmm. for me. I just mm-hmm. it took everything personally, as most people do. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I had this business, and I decided I should. I was. It was suggested that I go back to school to to be uh, to get a therapy degree, um, and that would help my business. It was not. I wasn't going to be a therapist, and so I was sitting in a session, and I was um, um, I was in interning at, at this center, and I was sitting in a session. It was my birthday, and I was doing intakes, which for your listeners. Um, is where you decide what the person, you know, kind of do the, the, the basics, get the information, and in this case, in this particular center, decide which therapist the person should, would best mm-hmm. go to. And so I was doing that, and it was my birthday, and I thought, oh, my God, for the first time in my whole life, I'm in exactly the right place at exactly the huh. right time. Huh. And I went, oh, this is my, this is what I'm born to do. This is what I'm born to do. Everything else has been preparation. And so I began to delve even further and further. Not that I hadn't been doing, you know, going to therapy forever at that point. Uh, But I began to delve further and further into this notion of loving myself. And I have been sober now, you know, a little bit of a time. And I was in school and I was working with others constantly, which means I was telling them what I needed to hear mm. because that's what we do as teachers, right? Mm-hmm. And I was listening to the words coming out of my own mouth and out of my psyche and uh, um, thinking, huh, well, that's interesting. Maybe I should do something. Mm. <laughs> And I started literally working on self-love. And I always tell the story at the very beginning of my career. I I had this thing where I used to... Oh, dear. I knew we were going to get interrupted. (laughs) Well, okay. It's a cliffhanger. Okay. (laughs) All right. At the very beginning of your career, that's where we're going to start. My guest is Dr. Nikki. Her book is Our Love Matters, Find It, Fix It, or Let It Go. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and I want to get right back, so stay tuned.
Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Dr. Nikki. We're going to be telling you during this uh, segment about um, where Dr. Nikki is going to be giving her seminar this coming weekend, March 29th. Uh, well, it's going to be in Encino in Los Angeles, and we'll give you information as to how you can find out more about it and register. Um, Dr. Nikki is the author of a new book called Our Love Matters, Find It, Fix It, or Let It Go. And before the break, we were on a cliff here um, where Dr. Nikki was just starting to tell us about something that happened at the beginning of your career. Yes, at the beginning of my career. Well, when I first um, started working, I was, uh, you know, I was full of self-loathing. I wasn't a kid, but I, I had a lifetime of practice, and I was very wedded to my self-loathing. <clears throat> and this is what I find about defenses. That's why, you know, my brand is stuck, not, stuck no more. My first book is Stuck in the Story No More, and really is about the defenses we use to keep our to keep ourselves stuck in our story uh, because we are we get an idea about ourselves and then we're gosh darn it we're going to make sure it's true mm. i'm always going to be abandoned okay so let me find a lot of people to abandon me that's working out pretty well mm-hmm. i'll see i told you i'd always be abandoned uh so i was i i used to live in this uh what's called a railroad apartment you know where it's just this long hallway leading to these rooms that go off of it and um so I had this uh, bedroom at the at the end of the hall, and it was like a little cave. I've always liked sort of dark spaces, but so this was like a little cave. And I had a couple cats, and and I was um, uh, it would, I, I'm a compulsive, and I say yes to pretty much everything. So I have to absolutely. So I did never divorce that second man for a lot of years, just so I uh. because every time somebody asked me to marry them, I said yes. I didn't know how to say no. I said, thank God, not more than three people asked me. <laughs> I figured they wanted me. I should probably say yes. So, they, so I, so but I was sitting between men, and I was you know had these cats, and and I would on the weekend I would do things like I would I'd get a bunch of food because I was a compulsive overeater also, and um, so I'd get a bunch of food and I'd go down to my little cave. My little cats would come with me. They loved it. 
mm-hmm. and um, and I get on the bed and I would start my so, what I would I think of as my self contempt fest. Huh. It was just a, a a delight, and I would start talking to myself and I would literally say things like that. You're so ugly. You're no one will ever love you. You're disgusting. You know what I mean? And I would go on and on and on. And I would eat this terrible food and. It was just mm. terrible. But I started, you know, I was sober now, and I was <laughs> learning to be a therapist. God help everybody. And I was saying, and I started practicing saying, you know what, you've got some great qualities. You're not stupid. That's silly. And I don't know what other people think you're good. You know, however, wherever I went with it, and I started talking differently to myself. Mm. And one day I went down there, and I was, I don't know how long into this process, but I went down into my little bedroom. And it was a Friday night, and I had my food, my terrible food, whatever the junk food du jour was. And I sat on my bed, and I started talking to myself, oh, you're so disgusting. No one will ever love you. And all of a sudden, I heard this other voice. This other voice said, you don't believe this anymore. And I sort of looked around the room, you know. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, it's not the cats. I don't know. Huh. Was like, oh, it's coming from inside me. And... What had happened was I had been working, I'd really been working hard on this, on the self-loving conversation and on taking actions to back my self-love play. You know, I was, as we say, suiting up and showing up and I was staying sober and I was doing the things and I was, I was being generous and I was, you know, we build self-esteem by doing esteemable acts, right? So I was mm-hmm. doing esteemable acts and I was doing all these things and self-love was to creep in. I put all my food away. I got up, I got dressed, and I went out. Now, I'd like to say I never had another self-loathing festival. That huh. would be not true. Huh. <laughs> but it was the beginning of true change. Hmm. It had started seeping into me, and it had begun with the practicing of different ways to talk to myself, and then to begin to look at myself, and look at myself in the mirror and say, wait a minute, you know what? You look pretty great today, and what kind of kindness can you offer someone else today? How can Hmm. you, because as I love others, I'm loving me, because there's Uh no difference between me and you. Uh We're two different people in two different places sitting in two different houses, but are we really? You know, I mean, as I offer love to you, I offer love to myself. And as you offer love to me, you offer love to yourself. And Hmm. that is, for me, a truth. That's a real fundamental truth. So as we walk through the world with an open heart and hopefully an open mind, we, we generously flow outward. Everything flows outward like radio waves from us, you know. And as I always say, I'm running a pyramid scheme. I'm offering you something great today, and you're going to go offer it to two people, know it or not. Mm-hmm. And they're going to offer it to two more and four more and eight more and 16 more, and so it is. Well, that's and if, a I offer, if I offer crap into the world, that's what the world becomes. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a fabulous, fabulous story um, because it really illustrates you know, what you're teaching. Um, I mean, that it's not an overnight process. People, we don't go from self-loathing to being madly in love with ourselves, although that can be, the narcissism can be a great defense. Yeah. <laughs> not, a, not a great defense, but a defense yeah. for, for the self-loathing. But um, 
But, you know, and what you were saying about uh, doing esteemable acts, I mean, it's true. People don't really think about that so much. That, I mean, we, you know, like you hear, do random acts of kindness, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it is true that that, um, you do feel better about yourself when you're doing some of these things and not just, uh, not just thinking about it, but actually going out there and doing. You know, it doesn't have to be, I mean, it's not about donating $100,000 to a charity, although that's nice, but it's just doing little things for people that you, whose paths you cross every day. And, yeah. um, and, and it really, you do see how that, and, and of course, you know, all the little the different things that you were doing that you mentioned, therapy and getting sober and, and um, you know, uh, well, these working with others and... And, and oh. right, that um, right. that it, like it sort of clicks at some point, and I think that's what people need to sort of understand that it's because it's so easy to get discouraged. You know, it's like you sit there and you say, "I hate myself," and then it feels like a pit or a cave, <laughs> you right. know, that you right. you can never get out of. It does, and and again, you know what we buy our own press. So if mm-hmm. we con- if we can convince ourselves, of it, and you ever know anybody you thought just she's she's kind of great looking, and she keeps telling you how not great looking she is, yeah, and after a yeah. while you're looking, yeah, maybe yeah. I was wrong about that one. <laughs> well, she does, her nose is a little, uh, oh, yes. some bags going on there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Can really convince us. Oh, and we're and doing same- that all the time, right? <laughs> And the uh, and it works the other way too. That when people you know who act like they think they're really hot, <laughs> yeah, and you're thinking, you're thinking wow, wow, maybe there's something going on here. And you know the the thing that I I really uh, push, if I could say it that way, is this idea of the authentic self. It, it, you know, and what the hell is that? Well, the authentic self. Whatever, whatever is your true voice. Whatever you need to say and want to say. Uh, there's a there's a three part thing that I have in the uh, I quote this in the book. It's not mine. It's uh, it's uh, again wiser minds than mine have come up with some of these things. Um, is it kind? Is it necessary? Does it improve upon the silence? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Does it improve upon hmm. the silence? Hmm. And uh, for so many of us, is it kind? Is it necessary? It, that's already a hump to get over. It doesn't improve upon the silence. I'm not even, I don't know if I'm even hoping for it at this point, but is it kind? Is it necessary? We're so busy pointing the figure, finger and complaining and blaming, Lord help us, and, and assigning everybody else has got the power. Every time I blame somebody else for something, I'm giving away my power. Every mm-hmm. single time. Every well, now, single time. Yes. Now, I'd like yeah. to continue, you to continue with this, but I'm getting worried about the time, and I want to make sure we have time to give people all the information that they need to attend your conference, which is great, this great, great. Saturday. This Saturday. And let me just say also, in terms of um, Our Love Matters, Find It, Fix It, or Let It Go, uh, it's a, in every device, every e book mm-hmm. device version you could possibly order it on, you know, Apple and and Nook and Kindle Barnes and & Noble and Amazon and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And also you can get the book itself uh, in actual thud version. <laughs> Throw it on the table. Oh, it goes wait, 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 wait. I am hearing the music. Let me say, and people can go, you should go to stucknomore.com, stucknomore.com. Stucknomore.com dash events and get uh, group um, gifts and all kinds of things if you go to it. Stucknomore.com. And, and it's going to be in um, Encino. 
in Los Angeles. It includes lunch. We're going to have fun. It's going to be a great, fun, interactive, joyful day. And And it will be there. And it's the whole day. And you can meet Dr. Nikki in person and uh, hear more about this and tell her about your what things you're stuck on and be stuck no more. Again, that's the website is stucknomore.com. And if you want to look specifically for this event, you go slash events. Well, Dr. Nikki, this has been delightful. And I would encourage people to find out more. I mean, this is obviously the tip of the iceberg. And yeah. you can find out more, read more, think about it in, more, in greater depth by getting the book. And if you're close enough, you can also come to her retreat. So thank yep. you, Dr. Nikki. Thank you all for thank listening. You. You've been listening <laughs> to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management.